What's up, guys? It's three-time NFL Pro Bowler All-Decade Return Specialist, Josh Cribs. I want to welcome you to the College Sports Connection Podcast, where AA Alex and AJ host the Mid-American Conference Best. Everybody, welcome back to the College Sports Connection podcast. Happy New Year! I'm Alex, the captain. Joining me, as always, it's AJ, the guru. What's going on, everybody? AJ, we are back. It is a new year. The MAC has won the Bowl Challenge Cup for the best record in college football in the postseason. Pretty good way to start the year. But we're going to talk a little bit more football. AJ, we got a special guest tonight. Yeah, without a doubt. Tonight we welcome on maybe our most decorated Mid-American Conference athlete, the four-time academic All-Mac honoree, recipient of the Lou Holtz Scholarship Endowment, 2021 fam- famous Idaho Potato Bowl Humanitarian Award recipient, the 2022 AFCA All-State Good Works Team nominee, president of the Kent State Student Advisory Member Board uh, Committee, College Football Division I Competition Committee, Kent State Golden Flash wide receiver Isaac Vance. Isaac, what's going on? What's going on, fellas? I appreciate y'all having me on here. Thank you. Thank you. Absolutely. Thank you Glad us. you could join us. This is uh, football season's over. One more game on Monday, man. This is depressing. It is. It's real depressing. I was talking about it today with my pops, actually. I think today is the first day since December 16th, maybe, that there hasn't been yeah. football of some sort. So right. kind, of a dep- kind of a depressing day. I'm not going to lie. It is. Bowl season just flies by. It seems like it goes faster and faster every single year, even though they add more bowl games. It's like it just keeps going by. It is. It is like a little kid though. Christmas gets there and it flies by. It's exactly right. It's brutal. <laughs> no doubt. But it's been great. So I I do talking about bowl games. I uh, happened to see a tweet you put out the other day, um, in regards to the Georgia Bulldogs. You wanna you wanna kind of talk about that? We got a few <laughs> Ohio State fans who listen to us, so I I'm sure they're gonna want to hear about including that. one right here. <laughs> oh, I love that. First first of all, go dogs. Um, so I, I grew up I grew up a lifelong Georgia fan. My uh. When I was about five, my dad called me into the room, and I believe they was playing one of those bowl games, like an Outback Bowl or something like that. And I fought, I've been a football fan my whole life. It's put food on my table my whole life because my, my father's a college football coach. And he called me into the room with, hey, buddy, listen to this. And it was the old kickoff, and they kicked off, and it was, oh, dogs, sick of And I fell in love. Boom. Um, and that's all it took, especially being a sports fan. I think my mama got me, like, a Georgia hat a couple years later maybe, and then it became so obsessive that I was a little kid and I wasn't watching the little kid shows. I was watching sports center. That's all I did. Sure. So it became so obsessive that I, uh, I always wanted a bulldog for a dog and we just wasn't able to ever get one. It didn't ever work out. So we were like, what's the closest thing we can get to a bulldog. And that's a pug. So when I was in the third going into the fourth grade, I got a pug and I named him Ugga and he was my best friend my whole life. Like he passed away last summer when I was away at college after I think he was 13 or 14 years old. And like, sure. that's how deep my Georgia ties are. So I've had to mask it a little bit being a college athlete and knowing right. that Georgia is on the schedule. Um, right. I can't be as open as I would like to be about my my fandom and my love for them. But obviously uh, getting to play them this year is special. And even though I was, I was injured, it was being on that sideline and being over there at, at Sanford Stadium was just between the edges was a dream come true. So it was really right. cool. But growing up in Ohio, like I did when my dad moved there, Obviously, went back and forth, SEC, Big Ten, SEC, Big Ten. That was all my conversations. But as a Georgia fan, 
it was even it was even more. I can't wait for Ohio State and Georgia to play. They'll never play, blah, blah, blah. And they finally played. So sure. I had a great time with it. I was nervous all game. I had some great memes to send about 20 people that I've always talked trash with the past 15, 20 years. And I kept oh, the yeah. receipt. Sure. <laughs> I mean, one of my best friends, one of my groomsmen, uh, he was a huge Georgia fan. And we had a bottle of liquor bet on the game. So but, you know, I think Ohio State and Georgia has a home and home in like 2031 and 32 or something like that. <laughs> They do, so. which is funny because it came out a couple of years ago, and one of my group chats was like, "Hey, we're going to this game." I'm like, "That's like I got, I got the same message too." Yeah. <laughs> I have the same message too, and, and you know, it's great too. I mean, you know, Ball State goes down there next year, and okay. so kind of keeping that MAC tie in there, and hopefully we get an opportunity to go down to that one next year. But that'll be a blast, and it's, of course, it's great for the Mid American Conference to play those kind of guys, get that national exposure. It really is. It really is. It's a great atmosphere, and I mean, we've played at a lot of cool places. And I'm obviously biased, but. I absolutely loved being there. And then we gave them a run for their money. You know, we played, sure. we played ourselves off that game. And so it was a lot say, of fun. Yeah, you, guys, yeah. you guys pushed them to the limit of up until the end of the fourth quarter. There. That was a, that was a good game. It was, it was a lot of fun. Um, I was proud of how our guys competed and how they fought out there. And the first play, I believe Brock Bowers took a sweep like 80 to the crib mm-hmm. and just ran, just ran away from us. And I'm on the sideline. I'm coaching. I got a headset on and I'm, I'm, I'm thinking like, Oh, that's not good fellas. <laughs> this isn't good. And we fought, we called back. And the fact that, this is just a little like victories I see, you know, you don't take little victories away during the season because you want to win every game. But right. thinking back at it, like I'm watching and I'm taking it in. Stetson Bennett took the last snap of that football game. Stetson Bennett took a knee because we challenged them. We pressed them. We had, you know, they, they had to be conservative and smart at the end of the game because we, I think it was, I think we lost by 14 or 16, maybe. Yeah, I believe it was close. It was close. So that, that's a, there's never little victories, but that is truthfully like <laughs> sure. that's, that's pretty awesome. So that was, that was a lot of fun. Was that the loudest stadium you ever played in? No, it wasn't. Honestly, really? I think I think either Texas Texas A&M last year, Crum Crum's my best friend, my roommate. He threw a pick six in the third quarter because that game was also I think ten three at half, if I'm not mistaken. And Crum threw a pick six for them to kind of spread it out. And again, I had a headset on, I was hurt, and I, I remember specifically I took one ear off of the headset, and it just kept getting louder. And louder and louder when old boy returned that touchdown. So I think a and the loudest stadium I've ever been in. And then Oklahoma rivaled a two this year. Oklahoma was was jumping. So that was a, that was a lot of fun. But yeah, Georgia was sweet. I mean, 90,000 between the hedges and uh, Saturday and the SEC doesn't get much better than that. I was going to say, yeah. you guys had a crazy non-conference schedule, Washington, Oklahoma, and Georgia. Like, you guys really took it, took one on the chin for the conference. It's a, yeah, it's been, it's, it's been what we've done since I've been here. Um, my first ever college football game was against the defending national champs in 2017 at Clemson. So, you know, that's just kind of, it's been what we've done. We play, most people play one or two, we play three every year. So um, it's just, it's a part of it. I wouldn't want it any other way. You know, it's enjoyable getting able to experience that and try and go knock off the best teams in the country. Sure. So let's, uh, let's go back a little bit. Let's go back to high school Uh, here in New Mexico, playing defensive back and running back. He was running all over, over 2000 yards of junior year, 32 touchdowns. Talk to me a little bit about New Mexico high school football because it's not something that's nationally known. But, you know, there's a couple of cool, good universities, a couple of good players come out of there a year. You know, and then you've been in Ohio. You've seen, you know, the St. X's and, and the St. Uh, Ed's and those kind of programs. So talk to me a little bit about the high school football in New Mexico. For sure. And I didn't grow up in New Mexico, so, like, I knew, you know, moving there, I was like, okay, it's going to be real interesting to see what this is about. And the one thing I can say is the support and the fan bases in high school football was insane. It was, it was quite frankly better than Mac support and Mac fan bases that we have. Like because there's not much to do in New Mexico. There's really not. Um, it's a unique population in a different area, and they rally around their football, which is great. You know, which is why I always want to see 
New Mexico State, New Mexico be successful because there's not a lot there in the state. It's not a very populated state. So they truly do rally around their high school football. Um, I was fortunate enough to go to a powerhouse. I went to high school out of district. So my dad coached at New Mexico State and all the coaches' kids would go to would go to Mayfield High School. So I had to kind of transfer out of district to go play there. Um, but it was awesome. You know, they, they made two movies about our rivalry. I always give our Masson guys a hard time because mm-hmm. I've played in front of 30,000 people in high school many times. So the last game of the year is always against Las Cruces at New Mexico State Stadium. And it's divided. Like, that's what the movie's called. It's called Cruces Divided. But it's split down the middle, and it's awesome. So the, the outpour and the support in New Mexico, especially towards the bottom half of the state where we're at, was, was phenomenal. It was everything you could ever dream of and ask for and, you know, go into – you're walking around the city and, and people know you and it's just you, you have great interactions with, with people there because they care. They really do. They care about their Lobos and the Aggies and they care about high school football. Sure. So that, that was a lot of fun. Um, obviously, you know, people always give us hard times about our competition and this, that and the other. And we ha- there's there's specific hot pockets of the state that's very successful. Mm-hmm. There's obviously um, there's great talent there. Um, very specific people. You know, each year it's different. Like each year there's a lot of teams throughout the country that have five, six, seven division one players on our team i remember one year we had like six division one guys signing the state and i first moved there i was like this is wild to me like this is totally different but it's just a different brand of ball and it's it's i, I love my experience and i would never trade anything for it for sure mm-hmm. so yeah New mexico is great sure now i looked at the map and mayfield south side close to the border right you're oh, way yeah. down my, there my house was probably realistically i could probably get to el paso texas in about 35 minutes oh, and wow. i could get I could get to Juarez, Mexico in about 30, 35 wow. minutes. Wow. So if people don't realize you're in El Paso, you can see Mexico. Like you you drive mm-hmm. over there and even at the Sun Bowl, at the Sun Bowl game when they do the aerial shot, um, you can it's it's touching Mexico. It's bordering. You can see the fence, you can see the border, you can see the houses in Mexico. So that was a unique experience, especially moving there in the eighth grade. Um, just getting adapted to the Hispanic culture and just how family oriented that culture is mm-hmm. and how amazing it is. Like like I said, I wouldn't trade that experience for anything in the world. I absolutely loved it, my time there. And but yeah, we was we was real south. And I'll, now I'm at the point where I I, I claim it. I'm proud of it. I call it home. Um, sure. I love it. There's not a lot of unfortunately there's not a lot of people that make it out of the city of Las Cruces. So being able to come over to Ohio and play football, and I know thankfully there's a lot of people that that were able to make proud. Um, so I, I just I cherish that. I am I am proud of the five seven five and good old Las Cruces, New Mexico for sure. Sure. So I wanted to ask you, obviously you went to Kent State, um, your profile, your recruiting profile had showed that you had um, interest in what, New Mexico State, what what was that process like? I mean, you you could be right there, stay home, or you come all the way back to Ohio, kind of, kind of talk us through that, you know, what was that conversation like from both schools and why Kent State? For sure. My recruiting process was a lot different uh, with my father being a college football coach. It wasn't so much all the blessed to be offered by and this, that, and the other. There was a lot of quiet things going on and conversation with coaches just to protect him and the family. And he didn't ask that for any means, but we had some seen some certain situations go certain ways there at that staff. And it just kind of, you know, it had to work out the way it did. So I waited a while to, to post anything. That's why everything looks different. It looks like New Mexico State and Kent State. And, um, but it was just, you know, it was, it was, I, I knew I wanted to get back closer to this side of the country. Um, I knew, not so much that I didn't want to stay out there, but I wanted to branch out. I wanted to be able to branch out and put on for the city of Las Cruces a lot and be able to do what I can do for that city and that culture. And Kent State was a great opportunity for me over here, being able to come back because I grew up here. My dad coached here when I was a kid. My brother played here when we moved away. So being able to come back to Kent and do something that ain't ever been done and win a bowl game and attempt to win a MAC championship and do all that because 
you know, I grew up watching Kent State and wanting them to succeed because it put food on my table. So it was great. Um, it was a different recruiting experience for sure with my dad coaching at one school and me attempting to go to others. Um, but he was awesome with the process and he let me do whatever I wanted to do. And the moment that I uh, I committed to Kent, it, you know, he ended up leaving that school. He leave, left New Mexico State, obviously, and, and went down to Charleston Southern. So, uh, but he knew that was a, that was a part of it. And that's what we was going to do. And he, he left it up to me. He didn't force anything upon me or anything like that. So that was awesome. Sure. You missed that uh, lake effect like Erie Snow, I'd imagine. <laughs> Not one bit. <laughs> Not so, one bit. Right. With your dad at Kent State, who are some of the players that were there that you got to know? You know, some because okay. Kent State always puts out some big names. So I mean, during our time there, we were there with Julian Edelman, we were there with Cribs, we were there with Rosie Nix, we were there with Josh Klein, Brian Winter, Dre Archer, Jameson Collins is another guy that made it in the league for a while, Spencer Keith. Um you know, a lot of those stories and a lot of those people, like, it, it's interesting to see them now, but, you know, knowing that my dad worked with them and recruited them, and they was over at my house when I was a little kid playing video games with us on Thanksgiving and, and all that stuff. Like, it was it was phenomenal. It was really cool to see. It was really enjoyable. Um, and it was just, it was a great time, you know, and that was kind of a part of, too, why I want to go back to Kent, because, unfortunately, they had all that talent, and it wasn't able to maximize it, you know. They never made a bowl game. They never did none of that when they was there, and they were continuously pumping out NFL players. They recruited their tails off and just couldn't get it done, so... That was a part of the I want to go back. And my brother was a part of the 2012 bowl team and they had a great experience and they lost. Um, so I just kind of want to go see if I could take my crack at it as a Vance and see what I could do and be a part of some change. And Coach Lewis came in and we just we, we righted the ship and it was great. You know, it was, it was the best three years of my life over there, you know, the past three years. Now, uh, you said Coach Lewis came in. Was Coach Lewis not the one who initially recruited you for Kent State then? He was not. I'm a old. I'm an old man. So <laughs> I am. If I'm fortunate enough to play college football next season, I will be 25 years old playing. Okay. Um, so I came to Kent in 2017. Coach Paul Haynes was the head coach at the time. Mm-hmm. That's right. That's right. And, and I kind of knew. I knew what it was. Like I said, I, I know the business. Um, and I kind of knew what it was when I committed here. Is if we don't win six games, he's gonna be gone. And I want to be a college football coach. It's all I've ever wanted to do. And I knew that would be great for my development, my professional development, seeing how to change the culture. So. We, unfortunately, my freshman year didn't have a lot of success, had a lot of injuries, and just weren't able to get it done. Um, Coach Haynes was let go after we played the school on the road, and we brought Coach Lewin. And a young, at the time, a 31-year-old yeah. man, I was down here in South Carolina, and we hired him, and I'm like, man, like, who is this dad? And he was like, I don't know, but all he does is score points, so you're, you're going to love it. And, and I did. I loved it and had a great relationship, and now I, I know how to change a culture. I've seen how to change a culture. I've seen how to – you got to get rid of a lot of bad to bring in a lot of good. And it starts from the roots. And so being able to see that was great. It really was. And I feel like I know how to change the culture now from a, from a coaching aspect. Yeah. Cause you're getting ready to experience your second coaching change at Kent state now, right? You guys are just bringing in somebody new, right? Correct. Yes, sir. So we just brought in coach Kenny Burns from Minnesota, which is funny because he was on staff with coach Paul Haynes. So yeah. um, it's kind of, kind of funny how that works, but yeah, we, we, he's recently been hired and he coached in their bowl game. Now he's, he's full speed running here up in Kent. So I'm excited to, We've had one kind of virtual team meeting because everybody was gone and decided to get back and kind of get connected with him and the staff and see what we can do. Sure. I do want to go back a quick second. You brought up a name a little bit ago. Um, I transferred to Ball State in 2013 and Kent played in Muncie and I did see Dre Archer play and what a bad dude he was. Unbelievable. I haven't seen anything like him. His highlights rival the the classic Tavon Austin highlights. Yeah, I did. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
And people look at you like you're crazy when you're saying that, but you know, everybody's seen the Taylon Austin highlights with the Helen back music in the background. And, mm -hmm. and Dree's Archer, or Dree Archer's highlights really resemble those a lot. I've never seen anybody be able to run the ball like him, especially on the special teams aspect of the side. Right. If he had maybe another inch and a half and 20 more pounds, he'd, he'd still be playing. playing. Yeah. yeah. Oh, easy. <laughs> and he had a great stint and had a great opportunity. And I know there were some things that kind of, he had an opportunity to Jets and ended up staying home and it was kind of mm -hmm. what was going on, you know, and we talked about that with, as my family and everything, but he, I mean, he did what 99.99% of the world would love to do and yeah. go play in the NFL. So yeah. We're, uh, we're he proud torched Ball State that year too. <laughs> the Lord. Torched a lot of teams. Don't, don't take it too personal there, AJ. No, not at all. <laughs> a lot. He did. I mean, that year we had like Keith Wenning, Jonathan Newsom on defense, Willie Sneed, Juwan Edwards, uh, Eric Patterson, rest in peace. Uh, God, there was oh, a linebacker from Michigan. His brother played there too on that team. Uh, I can't think of his name. But, yeah, those, those were fun years to watch. Those were definitely a lot of fun. There's so much talent across the league at that point. Oh, yeah. And uh, so since you've been in it for so long, how have you seen the Mid-American Conference change, you know, from a young kid now to playing in it and now the national exposure that it gets? The national exposure is phenomenal. I love it. Um, I love the action idea because, like you said, it brings national exposure. It's different. But that's what this portion of the country is. It's different. Like this, it's 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 a cliche word, but the MAC is gritty. What the MAC has to go through in the budget aspect, the facilities aspect, whatever it may be, it's a gritty conference. So that the MAC fits us well. That's the thing. Mm -hmm. I, I'm proud to be a part of it, and it's an honor. And I'm fortunate enough to serve the student athletes as the Mid American Conference student athlete president. So being able to do that and this great conference is phenomenal. And seeing just the the growth of each and every student athlete is great. So since when I was a little kid, seeing the games that went on, and you know, it's I was listening to games on the radio, hearing my dad's games on the radio, and I wasn't watching anything on TV. To now, every and all game from the MAC is on usually a mainstream channel. Mm -hmm. If not, obviously, you got the ESPN Pluses and stuff. So mm -hmm. seeing the way that the conference has changed and Commissioner Steinbrecher's done a phenomenal job of leading the conference and the Jolly Roger flag and just bringing fun into it. You know, that's yeah. a lot of it. We're still playing a kid's game at the end of the day. Right. And there's a lot of fun in the conference from every aspect, from all sports. So being able to see it grow in that regard has been great. Sure. You so a few months ago, we had uh, Tim Luster on, former coach at Western. And uh, his uh, – his offensive tackle at Western was my high school football coach. So we had them both on just riffed about playing for the at Western in the nineties and stuff like that. And I brought this up to coach Lester about playing those Tuesday and Wednesday games as a coach preparing. He said it was absolute hell. Mm -hmm. He goes, it's, he goes, Hey, I think he said it sucks. It was, was his, yeah. essentially a quote. So from a, that's from a coach's perspective. What about a player's perspective? Cause you kind of get a, a mini bias essentially on that weekend but going in and, and kind of reversing your week around to where your Mondays, your Fridays or, or whatnot. I'll follow exactly what Coach Lester said. It sucks. It does. <laughs> it 100% sucks. It's awful. But because like you said, you know, you have the typical week and most teams are off on Mondays after a Saturday game. So usually it turns into you play on Tuesday, you're off on a Thursday, you're practicing Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Like it just throws everything off. Um, I You get used to it. The worst part about the the worst part about Maxion, and this is just inside baseball, but you have those eight o'clock kickoffs, and you in the hotel all day. Usually, when you got a night kickoff, you can watch ball, but yeah. you in the hotel all day, and there's nothing to do because there's nothing on. You're watching around the horn, and you're watching whatever it may be at two thirty p.m. on a Tuesday on ESPN because there ain't nothing on. 
So you're really just sitting around all day, twiddling your thumbs, ready to go play. Um, so that's the worst part about Maction. It does the preparation aspect. I mean, a Monday, we always talk about, like, fellas, it's Saturday. Or it's Saturday on a Monday or whatever it may be. Mm-hmm. You get used to it, but it, it's not enjoyable by no means. Like, I would love to be able to play every game on Saturday, but I get why we do it as a conference because it's great for the conference image and it, and, and every all eyes are on us. That's another great thing sure. about it. Yeah. Is once you get out there, it does feel like a Saturday and it don't matter. Ball is ball. Once the ball's kicked off, you got you got that adrenaline rolling. But also, the great part is, you know, there's one, two, three million people watching on ESPN because there ain't nothing else to watch. So, sure. it's awesome in that regard. But yeah, the preparation sucks. I'll follow Coach Lester, my guy. I'll follow his his saying completely. It sucks. To any faculty listening, what he actually <laughs> said was they were doing their classwork diligently in the hotels while waiting for the game. That's what I heard. So, a hundred percent, a hundred percent, we were. <laughs> um, but. So, yeah, I mean, that's we, we as fans, I mean, AJ and I, I, I went to Toledo, AJ went to Ball State, as we've mentioned, and we remember those those midweek games and just, you know, all right, let's walk across campus, you know, layered up and let's just go sit in the stands with like, you know, 50 people and, you know, let's cheer, cheer our guys on. But I, th- I think you're, you're spot on that the national exposure is such a huge thing because we're seeing guys, even if they don't get drafted, they're getting camp invites, they're getting opportunities that they wouldn't have because that Saturday slate is just so overloaded. They're they're going to worry about the the Big Tens, the SECs, the ACCs. They're not going to look at the MAC as much. Now being the only thing going on, it's a it's a lot of great opportunities for guys who may not get them on a on a Saturday game. One hundred percent. Now you're spot on. It really is. It's a phenomenal exposure opportunity, and and our guys do love that aspect of it. So I wanted to kind of shift over to some of the things you do off the football field, uh, the division one student athletic advisory committee. Talk about that. I, I'm not familiar with what that is. And I'm sure a lot of our listeners aren't um, kind of fill us in and kind of fill us in on your role with that. Of course. So I guess the easiest way to explain it is each university throughout the country through division one, division three um, has a student athlete advisory committee at the campus level, which you probably heard it called like SAC and, SAC is there's representatives from each team that come together and just kind of solve the day-to-day problems in the student-athlete body, and they're the student-athlete voice, and they're the representatives. So if we hear a message, we go back and tell our teams, the SAC members do. Um, I've been fortunate enough to be a part of that at, at Kent State for a couple of years. And um, with that, there's conference SACs as well. So each conference has a SAC, and there's two representatives from each university. So there's a, a male and a female representative from Kent State, from Ball State, from Central Michigan, whatever it may be. And we meet on the same exact problems as the minimum, but at the Mid-American Conference level. So with that, you know, we'll meet just on legislation at the Mid-American Conference level, ideas, things like that. Um, so that's a phenomenal group. And I've been fortunate enough to be the president of that. And with that, I just, um, I, I guess I kind of got, not pushed into, but nominated, I think, for the Division One level of that. So there's one representative from each of the 32 conferences. Um, and we tackle the NCAA's problems. But at that level, it's it's totally different because it's, legit legislation. We're able to pass legislation, you know, with the help of Division One Council and now the Transformation Committee and, and stuff like that. So it's a it's a great opportunity. I'll actually be leaving here next week to go to San Antonio for the NCAA convention, um, which is really cool. You know, we're 32 student athletes and we're hanging out with a bunch of athletic directors and presidents and head coaches. And we're, we're, we're young adults hanging out with a bunch of older business people, which is great, you know. So I really so I enjoy that. So how much of those meetings over the past two years have just been, you know, loaded with this NIL, you know, legislation and stuff like that? Because 
obviously it blew up this year and it's going to continue to blow up. And I can't imagine that was just an overnight decision that had to have been years in the making. It has been, it has been years in the making. And, and we have, at the end of the day, you know, I'm, I'm on the football oversight committee group. So that's, there's one student athlete that represents all division one FCS and FBS players on a committee of, I believe 30 people with from athletic directors to head coaches, to presidents, to faculty athletic reps. And we have a lot, we have to tackle every problem in college football. So you see, I mean, you'll see like ESP and Pete Tham will come out and say the football oversight committee has, and that's the group that I'm fortunate to be part of. Um, so we have a lot to tackle. I'm, I'm on a separate group. That's just strictly the division one council name, image and likeness working group. And we, tackle the problems of NIL we hear it the revision that came out uh, a couple months ago we wrote that and um there's a lot it consumes a lot between the between the NIL landscape and the transfer portal that's consumed a lot of our zoom and Microsoft teams calls the past two years and I would assume that'll be the bulk of our conversation here on on Tuesday morning in San Antonio when we meet as the football oversight committee group Mm -hmm. so let's uh let's talk about some of these other things um AJ mentioned it in our pre in our pre show our intro. I mean, just this list of stuff you've been involved in. I mean, it's you're one of the players that seems to put a lot of work in off the field as much as you do on the field. Um, I mean, talk about the you, winning the humanitarian award for the Idaho Potato Bowl. How was that process? Or how how are you picked for that? Was that over the course of the season? Was that a what you did at the bowl game? You know, kind of talk about that as well. I think that's that's a huge honor. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. It, it is it's a tremendous blessing. And I've got a lot of great people in my corner. You know, nobody can do anything by themselves. And I've got a lot of phenomenal people that have helped me grow as a leader, helped me grow as a human being, um, as well as a football player in my corner that have been there for me every step of the way, uh, develop my leadership skills and just thank you. I've been blessed with the ability to, to lead some people. And the Humanitarian Award, it was a surprise. We was at the community service event that most bowl games have against Wyoming. And uh, the the head of the bowl game, you know, kind of spoke a little bit and they said they were announcing a humanitarian award winner and they called me up on stage. And that was all I knew about it. I don't know how it was picked. Um, I think it was picked from both universities. They might have picked one each and then they decided between that or whatever it may have been. But it was just like you said, the, the community involvement, the outside of football aspect. And um, it was a tremendous honor. It was great. It was a surprise. It was a total surprise. Uh, so it was awesome, um, especially with just everything that like I'm fortunate enough to do a lot of stuff outside of football, but at the end of the day, I'm here to play football and mm-hmm. football has been taken away from me more times than I can count. Unfortunately, I can't, which is why I'm trying to come back for a seventh year because I just, at the end of the day, I want to play football, but being, having this platform to help the community and to continue to grow the community and just love others in the community is something that I'll cherish forever. Mm-hmm. And without football, I wouldn't have that opportunity. So I'm beyond thankful for that. And just, like I said, there's a lot of great people in my corner that have helped me along the way. So I am truly blessed to have so many phenomenal people with me. Did the potato bowl give you guys sweet uh, bowl gifts? They did. They did. We got a sweet, like, champion-style backpack. Um, they gave us a really cool beanie that I still wear to this day, a lot of clothes. And um, then you get, a, you get a gift suite at a lot of places. So you get you can get, like, one big gift that's, like, 500 points or whatever. You can get multiple mm-hmm. gifts that you can split up the points. So I don't remember what I got. Um from Idaho. Oh yeah, I do. I got. I think I got a Michael Kors watch and Ray Ban sunglasses were my wow. gifts. I think. There you go. So they did a good job. It's an established bowl game, and they sure. uh, it was a class opportunity for sure. Sure, that's one of the fun things we've had. Uh, Chris Wormley on. He played in Michigan, plays for the Steelers now, and that's one thing I asked him. Like in his four years, 
and he mentioned like the point system they give you like a book and you just pick out what you want and another friend of mine who played in michigan at the time he got a lazy boy out of it like he oh, yeah. literally just mailed him a lazy boy <laughs> that's like, all it's gonna be great no doubt even when the back in the day one of my best friends played line or offensive line at penn state and they was in the PlayStation Fiesta Bowl. And they all got, at the time, I think it was PS4s. Each player on each team got PS4s and a controller. And I'm like, this, and that's not even their gifts. That was just like, here's your initial bowl game gift. You still got the suite. I'm like, that's it's crazy. It's awesome. There's never too many bowl games. For anybody out there that thinks there's too many no. bowl games, no. there's never too many bowl games. Well, I-, I loved the, it was the Cheez-It Bowl. There was like two suites that were decked out in Cheez-Its. Yeah. Awesome. And like, that's awesome. <laughs> absolutely awesome we joke about it all the time because that's the commercial that's on you know every college football game so our coaches get sick of it and we're always joking around with it so yeah i've loved both the cheese bowls this year for sure the antics uh, surrounding the bowl are phenomenal absolutely so you talked about trying to get back for seventh year what's that process like i uh i'm trying to tackle it today actually so it's filling out yeah i have to fill out some waivers and go through Kent's case compliance. And with that, then they send a bunch of stuff off to the NCA compliance. And it's pretty much just people at the NCA level decide if you deserve a seventh year or not. Um, yeah, that's really how it goes. You know, I've, un- I've, unfortunately, I've been hurt. I've lost two seasons of my career. And going into my sixth year this year, I thought, okay, I'm going to do everything the right way that I can possibly do to be healthy and successful this upcoming season. Mm-hmm. And the month of August was the best month of my life, staying healthy for a camp and, like, when you're actually playing football, it's I love it. I just love joking around, talking trash, hanging out, making plays with my teammates. Um, and it was a phenomenal month of August. And then we went out to Washington. And the second quarter, I ran an overdrag that I thought I was about to score on because I got open on it. And I was like, oh, nobody's around me. So I relaxed a little bit. Mm-hmm. And they got a little longer players than we got. An old boy reached out. Their strong safety reached out and pulled me back from the collar. And I kind of sold the P.I. And they threw P.I. And my foot got stuck in the ground. And, and they went my knee again. So, hmm. You know, I've had I've had four knee surgeries, I believe, three or four knee surgeries in the past yeah. two and a half years. So it's been a difficult ride, but mm-hmm. I wouldn't want it any other way. Sure. Uh, you mentioned camp a little bit ago too. We had Jared Pugsley on a little while ago. He played as a lineman at uh, Akron, and we talked about that. We're not transition allowed to say that from... word on this show with him. We're not. <laughs> we, we can't say Akron. I appreciate that. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> we, uh, we talked about that transition from senior year of high school to freshman year. I've always been interested too, like the guys with closer body transformations coming out of that, you know, 17 year old high school body into a, a jacked 18 year old in college. What was that transition like for you? I wanted to quit. I did. I wanted I, during camp with coach Paul Haynes, my freshman year, they took our car keys. They put us all in dorms. We all had to stay at the same spot in a dorm. We got bussed everywhere we went. So I got bussed to the stadium every day at six o'clock. I would leave the stadium at 1030 every night. And I was miserable. I'm trying to learn a new playbook. I'm getting beat to shreds because I'm playing with 22, 23-year-old grown men, and I'm 18-year-old kid trying to learn my way. I remember specifically laying in my dorm bed, and I was like, man, this ain't for me. I'm beat up. I'm broken. It's hard. I'm learning the playbook. This ain't for me. And everybody I ever talked to is the same way. You know, that first camp, you're like, I'm not playing football. I'm quitting. This is dumb. Like, why would I do this? And you stick it out, and camp is now my favorite part of the year. I love it. I absolutely love being at the stadium from 6 to 10, 11, whatever it may be. And just, you ain't got nothing but hang out with the guys. There's no schoolwork. There's no there's no extracurricular activities besides football. So you practice, you do film, you do all that. Um, and there's, there's no better time. I, I love camp. And I'm, I might be saying that differently if we had to actually do two days and three days like they did in the old days. But mm-hmm. camp's dope. It's, it's a lot of fun. You're in a tough spot, too, because you can't call your parents and complain. 
It's a little slap. <laughs> yeah. Because my dad's in camp. And, and that's the yeah. thing. Like, with my dad being a coach, we never talked about football. We always mm-hmm. had two rules, and that was play hard and have fun. And at mm-hmm. the end of the games, if I wanted to talk about it, I would. But he never once got in the car. You should have done that. You should have – that's not him. That's his life at the office. And he's he don't want to come home and have that relationship with his son. So I think it, I was tremendously blessed with that, not having one of those dads, you know, one yeah. of the Pop Warner dads. Um, but, yeah, I mean, even though I wanted to call my dad during camp, he's working because he got it, too. So he's in the office. And I do remember having some conversations like that. This is hard. Like, this is this is challenging. But you stick, you stick through it like everybody does. And if you look back on now, and every time freshmen come in, I'm like, uh-oh, y'all ready for camp? They're like, everybody's talking about camp. What is this camp thing? I'm like, y'all going to find out. All right. Because, I mean, I don't think they even run high school two days anymore. I don't think so. I think my – last year of high school was the last year two days for high school because my yeah because that was the last year two days for college so i had two days in high school but never had them in college thankfully Jeez, we all toughed it out too because i graduated in 11 and i mean it seemed like it it could snow all summer long but those first two weeks of august it was going to be 100 degrees whether you liked it or not 100 degrees (laughs) with the sun down and yeah it's miserable 100 percent. it really is that's how it works all throughout the country Sure. I remember our practice field. It may have been like this in New Mexico too. It was just a dry piece of dirt is all it was. Yeah. It's like, it was miserable. Yeah, for sure. And you start, you get all sweaty and you're, you have the damp sweat on your arms kind of, and yeah. you got cuts all over it because the grass is so hard. This is, yeah. yeah, it's a rot. <laughs> Wouldn't trade it for the world though. No, not at all. Look back on it forever. I mean, that's why I'm taking a seventh year. It's a little better conditions here at this sure. level, but you know, hopefully if I'm granted that seventh year, like that's what I tell people is, Everyone's kind of talking. Like you're going to be 25. Like I'm playing with kids. If I'm fortunate enough to get this seventh year, I'll be playing. I have teammates that when I was a freshman in college, they was a sixth grader, sure. which is wild to even think. But I know if I don't come back and take the seventh year, I'll regret it for the rest of my life. Sure. Like I'm playing college football at one of the highest levels. Tremendously blessed to do so. Like mm-hmm. I can't beat this. This is this is great. You know, to talk the game that we love with people like y'all and play the game and just. It's dope. I don't want to go work. I don't go, want to go work too soon. So, sure. I mean, heck, Stetson Bennett's twenty five. So, I mean, what can you <laughs> Correct. Do, right? Correct. I mean, he's twenty five, throwing to a bunch of eighteen year olds. So it works. That's exactly right. I seen something yesterday talking about Stetson Bennett's twenty five and six year college. Josh Allen's twenty five, and it's like his fourth league, fourth year in yeah. the NFL. <laughs> so I, I did. I, I I'm going to break my own rule here. I apologize. I am going to ask you about Akron and uh, and. The, the rivalry, one of the greatest rivalries in the MAC. How cool has that been to be a part of that rivalry? Obviously, you know, you've got stuff like the Battle of I-75. You've got the Battle of the, for the Bricks. The Wagon Wheel, I think, has such an interesting story, whether or not it's true, the, the history <laughs> of it. Um, you know, I've, I've heard a few different things from both sides. I've been at the last two. Obviously, you guys have won the last two. Uh, but you guys have won the last four, actually. Um, have you had one that has been more satisfying than any other or do they all feel good well they all feel phenomenal sure. I, I will say that you know that celebration in the locker room is a little different you know we like the cigars for that one and have a good have a good time for that one for sure um man i, I mean i would say honestly the one in 2019 when we took the wheel back yep. and for the record it ain't been back over there since because it's ours so we've had the wheel for over a thousand probably over 1300 days at this point and it's just you know, it's ours. That's all we know. That's all a lot of our guys know. And that's dangerous when you bring new people in because they think, oh, that's all we do is beat the school on the road every year. It's our mm-hmm. wheel. But that's not the case. You know, if you haven't felt the heartbreak of losing that wheel, mm-hmm. then then you truly don't know the rivalry. 
Um, and that's something I'll never forget. I'm getting chills talking about it. We lost to them in 2018 on a missed extra point in overtime. And there's, I don't know who it was, one of the media people, somebody, I was crying openly on the field and there's a camera stuck right in my face. Somebody mm. took the picture, posted it. And that was my lock screen for a year until we got the wheel. So mm. in 2019, when we went over to their place and dog walked them and ran over there and grabbed our wheel and they ain't touched it or seen it since. And I get to walk around Northeast Ohio and anytime I see one of them, they kind of duck their heads and I can puff, walk out with my chest kind of puffed out. It's, it ain't nothing like it. You can kind of see, I don't like them. I never will like them. I don't like anything about them over there. Um, I think Coach Joe Moorhead is doing a great job and he'll have them ready to play and they're going to get nothing but better each and every year because he's a phenomenal coach. But mm-hmm. yeah, I don't like those guys. I don't like the university <laughs> about it. When I see their AD, I talk trash to him. So uh, it's, it's just a part of it. You know, growing up, like, there's many times as a kid where I was crying because my dad lost to him. Like, mm. like I was truly the, like the movie type coaches kid. I would come to the games, but I'm painted or I'm, I'm locked in. I think every game my dad loses, we about to get fired and have to move. Like, so they broke my heart many times as a kid. So being able to come up here and hold on to that wheel from my own for, for four straight years, ain't nothing better than that. Going to the basketball games and knowing that, yeah, we beat y'all in football too. Like it's just, it's dope. Mm-hmm. Who's got the best winning record between you and your brother for the wagon wheel? Shoot. I mean, ain't, I don't know. Last time can't won four straight. So it's got to be me because I've got four dubs and he was only at camp for five years. So, okay. Okay. It, it's got to be me. That's not something we've ever talked about. I would what? give him a hard time because they won the Mac East in right. 2012. We won it too, but we got a bowl game. So, we got the first bowl game in Kansas City history. So that's kind of where our, our battle goes back and forth. He's like, oh, we were 11-1. I'm like, we won a bowl game. <laughs> so yeah. we go that back Utah State game, that Frisco Bowl, that, I mean, that was fun. And you guys won that in pretty pretty dominant fashion, too. The offense just exploded all over Utah State. It did. It did. It was a great, you know, it was back and forth, back and forth. And like you said, we kind of kind of expanded it towards the end. Um, you know, beating Jordan Love is not an easy task. No. You know, that's something that our guys can say, especially on the defense side, can say forever is that, they beat a uh, they beat a first round quarterback. Sure. Yeah. So over the past couple of years, Kent has gotten really creative with their uh, jersey combinations. Uh, the powder blues, the yellows. One now, do you have any favorites or that look better on the field? I'm a big powder blue guy. I am. Yeah. Um, I uh, I wear the same thing for every game with my spat, my one leg sleeve, my wrist tape. Mm-hmm. But last year, um, I came back like week five. I was I was supposed to miss the whole season. It just didn't sit right with me. And so I came back and I had a 12 play limit and I could only play special teams. Like I didn't practice on offense. I didn't do nothing. Mm-hmm. But once, you know, some of us older guys found out we was getting powder blue. So I'm going to order some powder blue tape. And I came out with powder blue spat. It was crazy. <laughs> um, so I'd probably say the powder blues is my favorite. I love the wolf grays. Um, yeah. Those look good. I just, I don't know. I, like I said, like, and this, this is going to sound bad. It might sound bad to whoever's listening, but that was all flash fast stuff. Like on our pants, it said flash fast. And I know mm-hmm. with the hiring of coach Burns, like it's Kent grit now. And, and, and we haven't really had a chance to talk and be around the team because we've been on vacation, but I'll be interested to see what happens with that. Cause like our uniforms say flash fast. Right. So that was all coach Lou bringing all those unis in. I think we might have one uni that don't say flash fast in the pants. So mm-hmm. I don't know. We're going to see what happens with all that. It'll be real interesting. Um, I've wondered that since the day he got here and I knew we we're going to have success and he was going to move on and, I've been like, man, but now it involves me because I'm still here. So we'll see. Right. <laughs> be really to see what happens with the unis. Right. You talk about the powder blues. We were at the MAC championship against uh, Northern Illinois that year. And mm-hmm. uh, 
talk about that week. I mean, obviously playing for a MAC championship is huge. Playing in Detroit, not that far from home, so you're going to have a good crowd. And you know, we were in the press box and talk about a phenomenal crowd that was. I mean, both schools brought it that day. There's probably twenty some thousand uh, in Ford Field that week. So talk us through that week. Uh, that was our first MAC championship with fans in the stands. We were there yep. the year before with Ball State. Well, it was just us and the players, which was a wild scene in itself. There was like 200 so, people there. And yeah, it was nuts. And 190 of them were players. Like it was, it was unreal. <laughs> That's dope. I got to be there for that though. It, yeah. it was, it was wild. It was, it was an unreal experience for sure. But yeah, talk through that. Uh, your guys' Mac championship run or Mac championship was, appearance. Yeah, it was great. It's bitter talking about it because we didn't finish the job. Um, but you have to be, you know, you have to be, um, put into perspective that we we did something that isn't done at Kent State a lot. You know, it's been done at Kent State one other time besides the 72 team, and they won the MAC without going to a championship game. You know, I was kind of given to them at the end of the year. So that week was sweet. First of all, Coach Lou's rule was we don't practice inside unless we finna play inside or it's a bowl game because that's a reward. Mm-hmm. So the fact that we got to practice inside that whole week was was sweet. Um, that was That was great. But, man, it was just – it was surreal. It really was like it was surreal. You're in the hotel. You're in that giant hotel where both teams stay, and the hallways is decorated. The elevators is decorated. There's Kent stuff here and NIU stuff here, and it's just you walk out onto the field and it, it took your breath away. Like we've been fortunate enough to play in some of the coolest, in the coolest atmospheres in college football, with them full and walking in the four field. The lights were just a little bit brighter, turf felt a little bit better, and you realize this is the goal. Like this is really the goal. Like. Mm. We've, we've won a bowl game before. We've done that. Like, the end of the day, all 12 MAC teams want to be in Detroit on that podium. So, being there is dope. It was. Like, it was really – that was probably the coolest football experience I've ever had. Obviously, mm-hmm. it wasn't how we wanted to finish. Um, but being there, that whole week was sweet. And being there the day before and just the love that you feel. And it's just – it feels like an individual bowl game. Um, mm-hmm. It's just it – was, it was sweet. It really was. So, that was, that was a great experience. And hopefully, uh, hopefully we end up back there again. How cool was that? I, I think you guys ended up playing, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, Miami, Ohio, the very last week leading into that game. Like that was the that was the de facto Mackey's championship. How, 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 when did it hit you guys that it was like, we really did this, we're going to Detroit? Like, was it instantaneous? Was it, you know, what, what was that moment around that win like? Instantaneous. The moment Montre Miller knocked that ball down when they went for two. And he went and shook the ref's hands like everybody's seen in that video. Yep. And we went crazy. It was instantaneous. And I think that is a part of our lack of success the next week because mm-hmm. we thought we had won the Super Bowl. Yeah. That's all we ever talked about is getting to Detroit, getting to Detroit. And we celebrated like no other, like no other. And no, you're right. It was, it was sweet. That was the best weekend. And, oh, man, it was sweet. But we still had another game to really go, go win. And I don't think we handled that the right way. But, yeah, that moment was phenomenal. You know, it was like a movie. We're hunkered over there. We're in our wolf grays. We don't like Miami a lot either. They don't like us. We've kind of gone back and forth. And we win that game. We storm the field, and the snow starts falling. We've got the Mackey signs, the head of the Detroit, the newspaper clippings. Like, mm-hmm. you know, the, the cigar started flying after that one, too. It was – that was a phenomenal experience. Um, that doesn't have as much of a bitter feeling. It does for me because I want to be a coach, and I know I don't think as a team we handled that the right way players – you know, we didn't handle out the right because we just have more business to finish. But that's the sign of an immature team. You know, it's our first time there. Um, but yeah, that experience was sweet. <laughs> the <laughs> night, the night was crazy after that. The city was was wild. If you're a football player, you're getting into anywhere with no problem. And it was, 
It was cool. It really was. For the first time, it felt like the like the movies. Like, okay, this is sure. probably what it's like Alabama every every trip. Sure, yeah. sure. You, uh, I, I was there for the Kent State acting game this year, and we got to see um, Gary Pinkle. Uh, you know, talk to the. I, I think he talked to the team the night before, maybe the day of the game, and they they were doing the anniversary of that seventy two championship <laughs> team. Saw the video of Nick Saban. Um, who else did you guys see? I know, but. Tell our tell our audience who else did you guys see that people don't people don't really know anything about him anymore. Your guys had a so, special guest show up. So that was I believe that. So we was at the hotel. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, Gary Pinkle he went and spoke to the seventy two team and Coach Lou was there. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't even know this. Was it Jack Lambert? It was. Did he end up pulling up? Yeah, he but he showed up. He showed up for I think one of the meetings, but then like didn't come to the game the next day. Correct. Okay. So yeah. So they had a dinner at one of the local restaurants that night, the night before the game. Yeah. And it was a seventy-two team, and Lou and coach, or some of our coaches was there. And I remember I was in the office. We had a captain's meeting earlier that week, and Lou was like, "Lou has a letter on his, or had a letter in his office from Jack Lambert." Mm-hmm. I was like, "Hey, coach, like this guy's MIA. How'd you get this?" And the only person that has contact with Jack Lambert is Herb Page. Yeah. The only mm-hmm. person. So apparently he wanted to talk to Lou and just wasn't going to talk to him. So he wrote a letter, gave it to her that didn't have an address on it or nothing. And her gave it to Lou. So, um, I, I didn't realize, I didn't realize he was at the dinner. Yeah. You know, I heard some rumors of that. That's awesome. Yeah. That, that's really cool. It shows just shows how special winning a championship is in football mm-hmm. that Jack Lambert, who's accomplished everything that he's accomplished at such a high level mm-hmm. and is now missing. He's off the grid. He's living his best life doing whatever he's doing. Right came back to to get back with his guys you know that's kind of what i i was like i said i was coaching that game um so there's a little difference of in, intensity when you're coaching versus playing and sure. i hear a voice i turn i'm like that's nick Saban on the jumbotron i'm like let me take this in so i just listened to the whole thing you know sure. and nick Saban coming on the jumbotron at kansas State university during a game saying what he said just shows the camaraderie and shows what makes college football the best game ever mm-hmm. you know that was 50 years ago that they won that championship and they still wanted to get together, hang out with each other, and break bread together and talk about the things that they did. And something that is a lasting impression. And my memory's bad. So maybe Lou did tell us about Jack Lambert. One thing I know he talked about for sure with that group is that night they was talking at that 72 dinner. And they did everything they wanted to do, the only match championship in Kent State history, but they didn't beat the school on the road. And that's still mm-hmm. haunts them to this day. I'm not sure if they lost or if they tied. You'll have to fact check me on that. But Coach Lou said that's what they talked about the most that night instead of the phenomenal championship run that they had, that they didn't contain the wagon when beat the score on the road they that year. They tied that year, 13-13, September and the, 9th. Yep, and that's still haunts to this day. And I think Coach Pinkle said something along the lines of, anytime I talk to Nick, Coach Saban, he's like, that's what gets brought up when we bring out that 72 team, is that, yeah, it was phenomenal. We didn't finish the job against them. Wow. Which just shows all football rivalries is, you know, so – that uh, a special group. It was cool wearing the 50 year anniversary patch, and um, yeah, it was it was awesome. Sure. I met with Jake Olson uh, the day before. Uh, got to Dope. do a facilities tour, and he, I mean, he just he pulled out all the stops, and you know, just hats off to Jake for taking the time to kind of give us that tour. But he started talking about the letter uh, to Coach Lou, and he just started all these things, and I'm just like, this is so cool. I got to see the the helmet logo uh, the day before, and he was like. Okay don't post this on social media until after we do because 
where we've never done this before. And I was like, oh, this is so cool. But just getting to see the facilities. I love the locker room with uh, with all the helmets, mm-hmm. like all the helmets from all the schools you guys have played. And so it was it was obviously you see all the Mac schools, but then you're like, oh, yeah, you guys, are, there's an Auburn helmet. There's a there's an Alabama helmet there. You know, so it's just it's really cool to see the equipment team keep that kind of stuff. It is. It is really cool. And every time you walk in, there's a new one. Like, I remember I walked in there after the Washington week. I think I was on crutches. And I'm like, crutching there. I'm like, man, I'm tired. I look like, oh, there's a Washington helmet. Like, That's cool because we just played them. So sure, they do sure. a little exchange every week, which I think is awesome. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of dusty ones up there. Yes. Oh, man. There's some, <laughs> there's some dusty helmets up there, but they're old school. So it's cool. So that is cool. It's great that, you know, Jake's the man. Jake is. He's out yeah. texting him earlier tonight. He's the man. I'm, I'm glad y'all got that kind of all access look at and what we do and where we're at. So that's that's cool. Yeah, I love you guys' facilities for sure. Talk about the facilities there. I imagine like every other school, there's a list of guys who've made it to the NFL and you know and beyond. You ever catch yourself looking at some of those names and being like, man, Cribs played here, Edelman played here, Lambert played here. I'm sitting in the same locker room as those guys did. Because those are all massive names. I do. In our coach's office, we have huge, like fancy like placards kind of of it'll say you know, Josh Cribbs, 02 to 05, as those wasn't his years, but Cleveland Browns, and have the helmets next to what he played at. Mm. And I see it from two different perspectives. It's really cool seeing that from a current Kent State player, I'm like, man, that's dope. Like, they did that. They came from Kent, the exact places I'm standing, and accomplished things that everybody would love to accomplish, but they, they had a little bit something different to them that allowed them to accomplish that. And then it's also really cool for me because, like we talked on earlier tonight, I grew up with those guys. Like, mm-hmm. I remember specifically, I think I have a picture of me sitting on James Harrison's lap in the coaches' offices. Like, I grew up with those guys. So seeing them as as a kid, I didn't really see them as the star-studded what they were. I saw them as my big brothers, and I was around mm-hmm. the facility all the time because I was a football junkie, and and I just loved it. And now seeing the success that they had, you know, um, and still are having is sweet. So it's kind of like a pop, proud big brother moment. I know my dad and the rest of that, the old staff is proud of those guys and stays in contact with them. And so from two different perspectives, it's both really cool. Sure. Yeah, I forgot Harrison was a Kent State guy. I, I, yep. I'm a Browns fan, so I've tried to forget him over the years. <laughs> For sure. So he, he was never there with my father. But, again, it was a school-on-the-road basketball game, and they yeah. had a bunch of alum guys come by. And the football offices are connected to the MAC basketball arena. So we were mm-hmm. in there one day. My dad's like, that's James Harrison. And he's, he's small in terms of, like, height. Like, he walks in. Mm-hmm. He's probably 5'9 on a good day. Which ain't nothing wrong with no five nine hundred people. Don't get me wrong, <laughs> but you know. But he walks in you're like, oh, that's, that's oh, that's James Harrison, and he's just absolutely shredded, obviously. Oh. But he's, he's about five nine on a good day, no doubt. He could wake up tomorrow and go do whatever he wanted to any office line. <laughs> his workout, his workout videos are insane. I love the I love the medicine ball volleyball he plays. That's great. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that'd be that <laughs> would be fun, but it'd be a phenomenal workout. Oh, yeah. No doubt. Anything in sand is so challenged. I can't imagine. Some of the stuff he does is is ridiculous. And he yeah, makes it look four, easy. Was he, he 42, 43 now, probably? I think so. Yeah, that would be about right. It's wild. I'm struggling at 30. <laughs> <laughs> I'm struggling at 20. I can't make it through a football season at 24. <laughs> Man. <laughs> we talked about Washington there for a second. Talk to me a little bit about seeing a stadium with a track around it. You don't see those very often. Over, I mean, oh, I don't know. Anytime that I go to Buffalo, <laughs> it's just, it's true, besides true. this year, don't get me wrong, besides this year in the crazy comeback that we had with a fifth string walk on quarterback 
down 14 with four minutes left, which not enough people talk about. The Tigers, we didn't go bowling, and that was our last game. It's just over at that point. But we was down 14 to Buffalo and brought in a fifth-string walk-on quarterback who doesn't know – who didn't know the offense. I mean, he's been on scout team all year. So he's learning the offense that day. And what he did, he came in and shouted my dog Tommy. I got to – got to shout him out. He came in and won us the game. Um, That's the only great experience I've had at Buffalo. But other than that, man, it's cold. (laughs) It's windy. Their athletic director and I are very close with Dr. Mark Allnut. You know, he's mm-hmm. awesome. Um, he's great. But, yeah, man, Buffalo, oh, that place, that place is just, oh, the weather. I've been there. You know, we was there in 2020 for the de facto, at the time, Mac, champ, Mac East Championship. We was both yeah. 3-0. and and, and I, You know, Patterson did what he did to us. And it's just, I've never had good experiences there before this year. So, thankfully, that's been different. I never have to go back unless I coach in the Mac. And if I, when I come back, if I'm able to come back to Kent next year, like they got to come to us. So I don't ever got to go mm-hmm. back. But playing a playing in a stadium with a track is different because the fans are so far from you. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like people talk about the big house. Like the big house, people say isn't that loud because it's pushed out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And a lot of the SC state C stadiums are on top of you, so it makes it a lot louder. So that's kind of how Buffalo is. I mean, we always play there on late night but at the end of the year anyway. But like, sure, you, you can hear anything that's said because the fans are so far from you. Right. As we kind of wrap this up here, you know, we, first off, thank you so much for joining us. But I kind of wanted to ask you, this is something we ask a lot of the people we bring on, uh, coaches, mostly coaches, obviously players, of course. What is it meant to you to be in the Mid-American Conference and to be at Kent State? As an athlete, as a student, it just kind of open-ended on that question. What's it meant to you? It's meant everything. I, I mentioned this group a lot, but my Mid-American Conference COSA Council Student Athletes group, um, shout out to all of them. I love each and every one of them. I met my girlfriend through that group. She played lacrosse in Central Michigan. So the Mid-American Conference is family to me. It really is. It is um, from from having a close relationship with Commissioner Steinbracker to just the, the close relationship with other coaches through working committees and groups and just I don't think there's anything like it. And obviously we're biased, you know, um, but there's nothing like the Mid-American Conference. It gives people a chance to perform at the highest level and it gives us a chance to go knock off the the, the Power Five schools, which we do quite often in every sport. Um, so I love the MAC. I love everything about it. I'm, I'm honored and blessed truly I have to serve this conference um, as a leader and also to play in this conference. I uh, there's, there's not many things like it. You know, I, I always say Northeast Ohio football, but, it's not just Northeast Ohio. Obviously, you got the Michigan schools and Ball State and people like that, but it's all the same mentality. That Midwest style of football and human being mm-hmm. and the weather. Um, I, I love it. I, I really I get emotional talking about the Mac, man. I do. It's dope. Like they've done more for me than I could ever do for them. Um, but I love representing that conference and everything it's ever done for me will continue to do for me. So there ain't nothing like Mac. And we appreciate people like y'all that bring attention to it. Y'all are phenomenal. Um, so appreciate y'all as well. Well, we appreciate that. And I, I do have to ask this one thing. Take me back to Athens. Onside kick. Take me back there. <laughs> I knew you were going to ask this. I was like, what's he talking about? Man, so this is exactly what happened. Because <laughs> that was a – and you're a baseball guy too, baseball lineage. That was a shot. It was a shot. So all year as a frontline guy, you taught, we're not catching the ball no matter what. All Usually on the front line, it's our receivers and DBs, the hands – we, we think we can catch everything. And they saying, we're not, don't catch the ball if it's hit at you. So I'm like, all right, for sure. They score with like, there was like seven seconds left in the half. And I remember specifically, coaches like, don't line up over the ball. So I'm like, all right, for sure. So I lined up in my original alignment. This is exactly what happened. I lined up in my original alignment and I look over to the sideline 
and I give the thumbs up. And Coach Barton says, nah. I'm like, all right. So I take a couple steps. And he's like, keep going. I take a couple steps. So I'm lined up right there. So we're on the same page as where I'm lined up. And then he just missiles that thing at me. I have a chance to react, nothing. And it domes me in the head, pops straight up. And it like catches me off balance. I like wobble. And I see they recover it. And at first I'm kind of like, man, this sucks. Like this is gonna hurt our team. I'm like, man, there's three seconds left. They ain't gonna score. They like, threw a Hail Mary, got batted down. We went to halftime. But I was laughing coming off the field, like laughing. Like I knew it was gonna be crazy. We went on, it was a, it was a shootout. I think we lost like 49, 42 maybe in Athens. That was the start of our era mm-hmm. of us getting really talented and really successful. And I come out of the game, and I'll never forget the number. I get out of the game, and I have 148 Twitter notifications in the red bubble on the bottom of my screen. And I'm like, oh, no. Oh, no. I know what this is. I check my phone. I have a million texts. I check my dad's first, and he said something like, well, old buddy, at least you use your head or something like that. Yeah. And it's just, man, it's awesome. Like, it is. I think it's hysterical. It's, uh, if you haven't been in that situation, you don't, I mean, people think like, why don't you duck? Why don't you move? Like, there ain't nothing you can do. That no, ball's that's a fastball. Yeah. It's a fastball, you know? So I yeah. ducked and it just domed me, um, which is probably a good thing because I wouldn't have ducked. It would have hit me right in the gut. I probably would down for the count. Right, so, right. Because I, I had tweeted, because on the anniversary of that, I had tweeted it out and you had said, Something along those lines, like, yeah, I wish I could forget it or something like that. Yeah, but yeah. I didn't realize it was you. And it's so yeah. funny, too, because we had, like I mentioned, Coach Lester on, and we talked to him about the Ball State uh, Western game a couple of years ago with like 37 laterals. Nobody knew what was going on. The ESPN feed went out. So nobody watching the game had no idea. And so I asked him about it. He goes, I didn't know what was going on either. I was like, everybody else, he goes, balls over here, balls over there. It's forward pass, it's backwards pass. Nobody knew. And so players are on the field. Well. It's just Here we chaos. go. Your players rushing the field. It was just a zoo. So. It was that. That was chaos. That was as soon as our season got canceled. So we was watching the game, and I mean, y'all was watching too. But as soon as the refs started talking, the screen went green. We're like, "Yo, what, what happened? Like, what is what's going on over here?" And like, I had a good laugh because Ball State's a huge production school, and they produce a lot of those games. So okay. I'm laughing because I know some of those people over there. I'm like, "This would happen in Muncie of all places." Like, David Letterman put in millions of dollars for broadcasting equipment, and this is what's going on. <laughs> Gotta love it. That's just a part of the great, the, the greatness of action, man. Keep Absolutely. Your <laughs> Absolutely. And that was early on in the year too, which is the great part about it. So crazy. Uh, that's funny. But Isaac, thank you so much for joining us. I mean, this was an excellent conversation. I uh, learned a lot about you and about Kent state. And, you know, obviously we wish you the best um, in your future endeavors. And um, AJ, did you have anything else you want to throw out? I'm all there? seven. That was a lot of fun. Yeah, absolutely. Well, guys, thank you so much for tuning in, and uh, we'll see you next week talking Max Skip. See ya.